0: coming up
1: we know when we're children that if you see someone in pain to help them if you see someone doing something wrong to someone help them Mm. but we don't know that to our own self and i thought you know what i might not fit into the box of a certain job anymore but i'm going to create my own box with my own business i don't need a self-help book i need to understand what's happening in my brain if i talk about it i become a burden to them and then they're going to worry about me but if I don't talk about it, I'm probably going to do something will hurt yeah. them anyway. Saying you're not okay, 100% okay. Yeah. Staying in not okay, not okay. Not okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not okay to just be okay. This podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners. If you're sensitive to certain topics, please check the show notes for full episode descriptions.
2: Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel. Today I am talking to the amazing Chloe Beeson, who is not only a multi-award winning entrepreneur, a number one best-selling author and international speaker, but also somebody I'm lucky enough to call my friend. Um, She's suffered a lot in the past with clinical depression and today we're going to be talking about her experiences of you know, working through her mental health as well as um, suicide. So thank you so much for being here. So nice to see thank you. we have a- Seen
1: each other in so long. I know. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
2: I'm so glad that you're here. Um, so, I mean, do you want to just give everyone a little bit of backstory, I guess, on how mm-hmm. you got to go from being clinically depressed to this incredible entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely been a whirlwind, I think is uh, safe to say. Um, and I'll be honest, I actually know I was clinically depressed. I was the sort of, I think some people would relate to being in denial about the whole thing. I was really driven for my career. I started my career really young. I literally left school, couldn't afford university, threw myself into the corporate world at 18 and was like, just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, worked myself into the ground. Finally got to director level. I was director by the age of 24, which was like unheard of in the industry. Got there, sat at my desk. I think it was like day three and I just collapsed. I was like, what is... Happening to me, I felt really sick. I just lost the love of it, and I remember going to the doctors thinking I had a stomach problem because I just mm. felt sick every morning. And like even my mum was like, "You're not pregnant, are you?" You know, like it was just a constant reoccurring yeah. of sickness. Morning, I'd feel sick, by the afternoon it was gone, and um, went to the doctors saying, "Can you just sort out my stomach problem? To give me whatever tablets I need, quick fix. Haven't got time to be off." And uh, and she turned around and said to me, "Chloe, I don't think that's going to work, and I actually think you're clinically depressed." Wow, and I was the most positive person around my friends my family if anybody needed to be cheered up they came to me if anyone ever saw me without a smile on my face something was terribly wrong and so I was like how the hell can you think I'm depressed like I'm the most happy person I've ever met and um she gave me three days off work she's I'm here for three days so I'm gonna call you in three days she went just take the time off think about what I've said and I'll speak to you in three days and Day three came. She called me up, and it was like reality hit me with a ton of bricks. And I was off work for six months. Wow. I was told when I got back, never be able to have a really senior position anymore. Basically, just accept that you're now 25, and you're probably just going to have to take things a lot slower than you ever thought at that age. What you've always wanted isn't going to work now. So,
2: who's putting this? Who's putting these limitations on it that you're never going to be able to be director level? Is that from the company or the? the, Okay.
1: Yeah. The, the doctors were saying to be careful not to push myself back into it um because I felt guilty I don't know if you've mm. experienced this when I was off work I just felt guilty I was like oh my god I, I felt so guilty I was like I don't look sick yeah and my doctor kept saying you need to leave the house I'm like but I can't leave the house because people see me I lived I lived in a really small island where like everyone knew everyone I was like if I get seen people are going to be like well she looks fine so why is she off? yeah and it just it just got worse, Rachel. And then I went back to work, tried to ignore the doctors, um, and then the company started saying to me, you know, we're not quite sure you're fit for the role anymore. And long story short, after a couple of weeks, I lost my job. It was gone. And I remember sitting down, and they put me in with counsellors, after counsellors. And I, do you know what? I, in hindsight, it was amazing. At the time, I was totally not open to it because mm. I was just like getting told. I just felt like I was getting put in a box. Yeah. And I was like, my life is not over because I burnt out and I got depressed and, and everything. And then I remember the the key, which changed everything was one of the staff I used to manage. She came to me and said, Chloe, I know you've apparently not well. I know you're not working here anymore. Can I pay you to give me some career coaching? Because I'd really benefit from your knowledge. Like You know, the business, you helped me get my career so far. And it was like a light bulb. Mm. And I was like, I'm not done yes and so <laughs> I was yeah the fire in my belly came out I was like this is not over like I'm 25 what the yeah. hell I'm not giving up yet and which felt so ironic giving some career coaching at age of 25 but it, it was it worked she got promoted it went really well and we're just starting getting out and that's where it all started and I thought you know what I might not fit into the box of a certain job anymore but yeah I'm gonna create my own box with my own business and you know a couple of years later five years later business is booming and I'm just you know there's definitely not been it's not all been smooth sailing or easy yeah. but it's been it's been so worth it that's why I love our little meetings
2: Can <laughs> <laughs> just like offload on each other I'm really stressed about this you've got this girl you've got this.
1: <laughs> if ever there's a moment where you just need to be put back in check it's like catch up with a friend that's been there done that
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? And I mean, for people listening to this, because I totally resonate with with that, I think, you know, so many people were shocked when I, (laughs) including me, when I got my diagnosis, like, what? But I'm happy. I'm like the fun one. I'm, you know, I've always been bubbly or like the one with the personality like how am I depressed what you you know that can't be true mm-hmm. and then suddenly it's like oh yeah no I can't get out of bed and I do really hate myself so yeah maybe that yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe there's some truth in it okay doc <laughs> <laughs> um, so then what was your journey so obviously you've taken this six months off work what what was you know because that can't have been easy
1: no Not at all. Um, What
2: was the process of of starting to heal for you from that kind of burnout, having those three days, speaking with, you know, feeling that ton of bricks land on you of that realization of, oh, Mm. okay, this isn't going to be a quick tablet. And um, I'm, yeah, this isn't a, I've got a headache and I take an aspirin and it's gone.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what I was hoping for. I really was, because my family, we've got, there's a slight history of mental health mental illness in the family with mm. like, um, aunties and uncles having bipolar. And my mum had postnatal depression. She had a project. She had depression when she was 11 and 18 and then postnatal depression as well. So mm. I think it's going to sound really terrible. And I don't mean it to, I think I was almost a bit blase about it because I've mm. heard growing up, I'd heard the words being thrown around. So I just thought, Oh, I'm just another one of the family. You know, yeah. I didn't realize the seriousness of it and the actual impact on my life. And realizing that from that moment my life oh this is gonna be something I'm always gonna face you know it's always gonna be part of me and I think to come back to what you said it's it was more a case of realizing that it is a journey and it was like you know they talk about the stages of grief it was like that I'd lost. I was grieving the old me and the life I thought I had and the person I thought I was and I went through I mean I could literally remember the minute of getting into rage which is obviously one of the biggest stages of grief and I was just like I wanted to punch a wall I've never been Mm. aggressive and I was like I remember burning my toast and collapsing on the floor with rage I was like where's this come from you know I'll just get another piece of toast like it's not (laughs) the end of the world but it was just like so irrational and I think the thing that the journey that made it different for me was I suddenly and I know it's very cliche but I finally got to know myself I took time out to actually go like what do I value my my auntie is a coach a career coach and life coach and she just sat me down one day and she said what are your beliefs and I just looked at her and I was like I'm supposed to have beliefs I have my own values you know I was so Mm. clueless because I'd kept taking on this person I thought I had to be to Mm. get where I was I Mm. thought I had to do this for my parents I thought I had to do this for my boss I'd like, didn't really know who I was. I know that sounds really cliche, but I had to genuinely take the time out to say, right, what do I want in my life? Like, what do I value? And, and the depression part, I would say, didn't actually take that long to heal because I just took the time out and I really focused on myself. And, Mm. but this thing that I struggled with was the the feeling of being selfish. And I kept Mm. saying to people, I feel like I've gone from being this selfless person, giving everything to everyone else. I stepped one foot towards what I want and I was almost felt like the most selfish person in the world and, and my, my doctor was saying to me, oh, you're not being selfish, you're actually only being a tiny bit less selfless, you know, mm. and the thing that took me the longest wasn't actually the depression, it was anxiety, I'd never had anxiety before, but the way I always describe it, it was like the depression left or simmered down, I should say, And then what happened was I became anxious and paranoid. How could I not know my brain? Mm. how could I be in denial and then as you can imagine anyone that's faced anxiety I start getting paranoid well what if it happens again what if there's something else going on in my brain that I don't know what if I go here and somebody triggers me with this and mm. it was like this whole whirlwind of I went from because you know we've both studied it depression anxiety are technically totally, completely opposite ends of the spectrum yeah but it was like they were blending they they very they went from one to the other very quickly yeah and I was just bouncing between depressed and anxious depressed and anxious it was just like this cycle for those yeah. whole six months Well, I
2: think it's quite interesting that you said that because I definitely resonate with that. And I think a lot of people that I work with, a lot of people that I talk to all talk about that fear, that level Mm -hmm. of, okay, well, you know, I'm a bit better, but what if? You know, what mm-hmm. if it gets bad again? What if something happens? What if what if I'm not better and I'm just imagining it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that six months, what were you... You said, like, obviously, you felt a bit guilty, but you were just really focused on you and focused on healing. What kinds mm-hmm. of tools did you use? What kinds of things do you think were really helpful for you?
1: Mm. So I, I I, really did get into meditation. I know a lot of people say that, oh, yeah, meditation, you have to do this to be able to heal. And I was not into it meditation yoga any of the sort of the branded things that help you find yourself and I don't mean that in a rude way but I was not I was very practical I was a strategic thinker you know it was never really my sort of thing um but I did read a lot of books and for me I'll be honest it actually started more with understanding my brain Mm. I remember loads of my like people got wind of what I was going through and they thought I was gonna be crying all the time and I remember getting so many self-help books, and I remember being given what the one more. And my mom brought it in for me because I was staying with her at the time, and she literally passed me. And I said, "If I get one more effing self-help book, I'm gonna throw it." You know, I lost it. <laughs> it was like I don't need a self-help book. I need to understand what's happening in my brain. So, like the analytical part of me took over. I was like it's a chemical thing, so I want to know biologically what's happening. And as soon as I started doing that, I actually studied psychology and like a home online diploma to just understand the brain. Mm. And that's when I realized that there was much more to it. And that's when I sort of opened my mind a little bit more to the the less psychological, the the less practical things and actually just looking at, you know, what's the softer approach to help this? And, And I was continuing with a coach. I was having therapy sessions and I was just talking it out really helped. And it was only then when I started doing things like, I did an audit of my emotions. I did CBT, and I did all this other stuff that I thought I didn't know was right or wrong at the time. Mm. But it just every step towards it helped. And I think just then I started getting into journaling, letting myself think and freely. And because I was very much brought up was no secrets. Tell tell your parents why you're feeling. Tell parents what's going on. And in my childhood, it was very much a case of sometimes I'd say the wrong thing and I get in trouble for it. Mm. So my brain was like, don't think that thing if it's not practical or going to get you the results or whatever so I almost trained myself not to journal and not to be honest with myself and not to because it's safer to not say it that makes sense so it was like retraining my brain to be allowed to meditate and think openly and journal and just write whatever I wanted without judgment Mm. and it was those it was lots of little steps But getting into the practice of journaling and meditating did not come easy to me. It took me months to actually get the hang of it because it wasn't it wasn't like I'm just going to sit in the park and be like, oh, really calm. I'm not that sort of person. My brain's always a million miles (laughs) (laughs) It was lots of those little things. And I think then slowly, like you said, one day I just felt better. Yeah. Not like, boom, I'm back. But it was like, oh, I didn't cry today or, oh, I didn't feel low today. I actually felt okay. I felt normal. And that's where I started seeing it become a trend.
2: Yeah, and how exciting is it that, oh, I feel a bit normal? Yeah. So strange. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's really, really strange, isn't it? And I think it is an ongoing process. Like, I feel like the things that I'm doing now, because I think I'm quite different to a lot of people that I speak to, I'm 100% convinced that I'm going to cure myself. I, <laughs> I love don't, that. I don't think that I'm going to be stuck with this forever. I'm, I'm, like, on a mission. I just haven't <laughs> found the exact, you know... Started mm-hmm. using this. I'm not going to talk about it publicly yet, but I've started using some like um, biohack stuff. Oh, yeah, it's exciting um, to, because I just think if I can find the right balance of, you know, the of what I think are the four elements, which is, you know, the physical element. So anything to do with nutrition, exercise, like making sure your, your physical body, cellular health, like all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is like, you know, on point. Your emotional health, you know, I struggle a little bit with that one. (laughs) You know, like it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because it's like you can teach all this stuff, but then when you try to apply it to yourself, sometimes it's still like, man, I still can't get to those certain. Mm. There's certain emotions that I'm still very um, guarded of yeah. and even when I sit in meditation or I try and welcome them or I try to I'm still very guarded I still find that some of those elements quite scary to go into mm. you know especially around anger and certain levels of sadness and things like that but I think once you can nail that then you've got the mental the mindset the like reprogramming the kind of like automatic negative thought stuff like getting a handle mm-hmm. on that and flipping it um, reframing all those kinds of things and that you know neural neuro linguistic stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the energetic, you yeah. know, the spiritual, that connection to something bigger than ourselves to realise in that, you know, I guess I have always been slightly woo woo, but I'm probably getting more woo woo as I go down this path. But it's like, you know, I do genuinely believe now we're sort of like antennas, human beings, yeah. we're just sort of. T- you know taking in electronic information reading it and then sending electronic information back out you know mm-hmm. um and i think if you can get the right balance of all of those things meditation is like practicing being in a different room in the house so yeah. that then the body starts to go oh actually this isn't so scary this feels all right it's something mm-hmm. now i know a different state and it can really help you to move forward
1: yeah and i think the, th- the thing which you mentioned there is like for me it was like bouncing between each of the boxes Mm. and it was like as soon as i was in one box i was expecting that to be the norm and then the next day i was in the next box and it was just constantly the the uncertainty and even after overcoming my depression i mean i'm sure you'd agree that sometimes you have second episodes or third episodes or it might go years i had it like three years later i was lower than i'd ever been and i was suicidal and it was and i i remember sitting there thinking I thought I'd dealt with this. And it was a mm. whole new emotion that I'd never faced because like, our brains learn, don't we? And we yeah. adapt and, and it, it's just layers to it. And I think it's sometimes just understanding like that what you described it, it makes sense. And I think knowing for me, it was always knowing where I'm at, but I'm like, this is kind of sensitive to say, but for me, it was about taking ownership of where I'm at. It wasn't like, mm. not saying I deserve it, but also not putting it on anybody else. Like saying, I feel like this right now like owning it's that feeling, acceptance
2: it's just acceptance exactly. yeah. and I think that is such a key part of healing is like two parts of acceptance I accept this is how I feel now but I also accept that I'm not going to feel like this forever and that yeah. there are things that I can do that can help me to feel differently to how I feel in this moment and often that isn't jumping from suicidal or, or like you know super depressed to oh it's cool man i'm totally over it and i'm so happy like it's more like oh today i feel like maybe i don't want to kill myself but then the next day well now i'm back down again and then oh, okay well today i feel a bit more normal today i feel like mm-hmm. i can get out of bed the next day not so much the next day okay no still down next day okay now i can get up but you know it's it's like this ongoing process but i mm-hmm. think You've made some really key points there, because I've definitely had that. And especially with having the company, it's like you're promoting that you can heal yourself and then you're dipping into depression again. And it's like, oh, no, like, oh, I've totally failed on all levels. And then you're like, oh, this is just a story. This is just something I'm telling myself. I'm just, I still, you know, and now I just tell myself I haven't quite found the key You know, that's all it is. I'm just looking for that key to fit the lock and I haven't quite found the
0: right one yet. For more information on how you can bring your happiness back, why not join Rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website www.welfordwellbeing.com. You've had
2: this initial depression. You've kind of had to take six months off work. Your whole career feels like it's gone boom. You've then been like, okay, I'm going to sort out my values. I'm going to sort out, you know, I'm, I've been asked for coaching. This is starting to work. At what point then did the second depression come in and the, and the suicidal thoughts and everything?
1: Yeah, so it was about two and a half years after. So it's quite a chunk of the way later. And my business was doing really well. I had my first team members, I think it was maybe four of us I was managing. So I finally felt like I was a business. I'm not just me, I've got a team, I've got payroll to manage, I've got clients coming in. People knew who I was, so I had a waiting list. And it was like, it was almost like I finally felt things were right. Mm. And I think the trigger was, the imposter syndrome was coming in there was a real part of me that was like you're you have to be strong because of your team you're paying your team you have to be strong because clients are coming to you now it wasn't hard work anymore people it was hard sometimes but if I put a message out people would come so it was like people I, I knew I was good at why often and people would buy it and I got so many results for everyone but then it was like It's like crazy the more results people were getting working with me in their business like people were making like six seven figures incomes from paying me like a thousand pounds you know Mm -hmm. so the more results they were getting the more pressure I felt to perform again Mm -hmm. it was like what if I can't give the next person that what if I got my team did really well that month what if they can't perform like that again the anxiety kicked in again and it was like I was coming up with these weird scenarios in my mind and then obviously as you know you then perform less and then a scenario comes true and then my team, my team were doing really well, but they were, they were so passionate and amazing that I felt guilty not being a hundred percent. I was trying to pretend to be strong and mm. on top of everything. And I just wasn't. And then I remember being, the business started, sales started dropping because I wasn't putting as much effort in. I wasn't getting as many clients. And then the money just started leaking. And I remember being sat there and it, I didn't even know what I was saying. I was so low. I knew I'd had depression again. I, um, the doctor, had tried to get me on antidepressants. I'd never been on them before, but I'd, I was offered them this time. And I remember being sat there, and I remember talking to my partner. And I just turned around to him and I said, Do "You know what?" I said, "It's costing me money to live." Um, and when I said those words, it was like his face dropped. My face dropped when I saw his reaction because I wasn't expecting myself to say it. It just kind of came out. And he took me to a crisis help center that night and was like, "This is not." like I'm Mm. worried about you and then the nurse was just amazing but she openly said she was like you know we need to help you with this and the nurse was more like a counselor than a nurse and she really helped me I'm not going to go into my experience with the actual people the doctors were not good they just tried to drug me up to the point where I was like couldn't move basically Mm. um and then after that that it was more like an absolute shock of that it crossed my mind and i realized i didn't want to be here but for the monetary reason i was like there's no why am i putting a price on my life you know Mm. that doesn't and that that just it was like a whole nother level of holy shit what's just happened you know like this this is not normal what you've just said out loud
0: yeah
2: it's so scary isn't it because i think when you're in those places everything seems so normalized or it did for me anyway i remember thinking like um Just before my breakdown, I was crying all the time at work. I mean, how I didn't see it, I've no idea. And I remember going to, like, Bikram Yoga. I was really into it. And I think actually now, looking back, what I loved about Bikram Yoga was you had to leave your phone in a locker. And, like, literally the door would shut and you got 90 minutes in a warm room with one focus and no one could contact you. So it was like, I felt like it was this place where... No one could get me, in adverted commas, like, I don't know, but often I would finish the class and I don't know if anyone's ever done Bikram yoga, but you're literally dripping with sweat, like wringing your shorts out and your top. And so you've got these towels, you know, in your mat and everything. And I would fold up the towel and just put it over my face and look like I was dabbing my face, but I would be crying and I would wait for everybody to leave the room and I would just bawl my eyes out for about 10 minutes and then, you know, the the next person would come in to start sorting the class out and I'd be really embarrassed and just be like, oh. And I remember sort of telling some... uh, My work wife, big up Lauren, um, you know, oh God, I keep crying and like one day I was cycling back and I just collapsed on the floor on highbury fields just literally just had to get off my bike and just collapsed and laid on the floor and just cried and cried and cried and i didn't know you know when you're like how did you not know how Mm. did you but it was all had become so normal because it was such a slow process it wasn't like i was super happy and everything was amazing and then suddenly i just started crying all the time this was probably what like 20 years of slowly, slowly, like my mindset, how I felt about myself, the pressures with work, like all these little, 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 little things over mm. time that actually when it got to that point where I was so rock bottom, it seemed really normal that I was thinking these awful things that, you know, I, I wish that I would get run over every time I cross the road or mm. waiting for a tube train and thinking, you know, yeah. standing way back near the wall because i couldn't trust myself not to step yeah. off the platform like that kind of stuff just seemed really normal and i would tell myself things like oh well everyone probably thinks like that they just don't talk about it because it's a bit weird and people you know if everyone knew that we all thought like this then people would think that you know we all, everybody would know how weird we all are not realizing that not everyone thinks like that at all. <laughs> it's like it's an illness you know yeah. um so yeah it's that it's mad that moment isn't it where you have this like penny drop realization of you know and a similar thing like i remember t- telling lauren and she was like you know babe mm. like are you, are you like serious worry like are you okay you know that's yeah. not 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 that it's not normal but like you know not in a horrible way like that's not normal but like you you know you you probably need to look at that kind of thing so yeah
1: I think that's what happened with my situation was that I think seeing my partner's reaction Mm. made me realize what I just said out loud was not normal yeah like like you said like I used to always be in train stations and same as you standing really far back because I'm like I don't I just feel this urge to not be to to move, and it's like why why am I feeling like there's no reason. It just it was like a magnet almost yes. of that pull, and then I remember telling my partner, and it was the look that of his face that made me realize, okay, clearly what I thought was normal isn't normal, and yeah, and it's and I but you know we say like talk about it, and, and I I I'm all for talking, like don't suffer in silence, a hundred percent. But I think for me, and I don't know if you ever had this, it was like if I talk about it. I become a burden to them and then they're going to worry about me but if I don't talk about it I'm probably going to do something I don't I'm going to will hurt them anyway and it was like who where 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 do I draw the line because I don't want them to be stressing and waking up going is she still here is she done anything stupid where is she you know and it was that sort of horrific pull between I don't know which one's going to pull yeah
2: for me as well there was a thing which i didn't realize till afterwards actually this is one of those hindsight thoughts Mm. if i tell somebody how bad it is in my head a there was lots of fear around being judged people thinking that i was a weirdo um but mainly it was having to admit it to myself and that was the scariest thing was like If I say this out loud, it suddenly becomes real. It's not like, oh, maybe, um, maybe I shouldn't be thinking this way, or maybe, you know, having suicide ideation, which I didn't even realize that's what it was at the time, you know, for a year is not healthy. Maybe, you know, literally just having enough energy to show up at work and present and pretend and put that smile on isn't any way to live. You know, I probably Mm. did that for about six years and didn't even know that I was doing it. Hi, guys. Oh, my God. You know, I'm so happy. Like, life's amazing. But underneath being like, oh, it was that reality. You know, if I have to say this out loud, I don't know if I have the language to explain what's going on. I don't know if people are going to get it because I don't get it. I if I say it out loud, it suddenly is out there in the world. I don't know what's going to happen you know I remember when I told my mum this was when it had got really bad and I'd, I'd been off I kept ringing in sick to work for, for a couple of days because um, I just told him I had the flu but actually I was just crying and I couldn't stop crying you know and saying there's something wrong and then just saying you know saying to her don't section me you know whatever you do don't section me I'm not mad I'm not mad just like repeating it no. I'm getting emotional um, and realising that as soon as you say it It's real. Yeah. God, hit me. (laughs) And it's really scary. And I think that's one of the things that we don't give people enough credit for. When they're in that space, we're told it's okay to not be okay. And you can just open up and you can just tell your friend or you can just reach out. And people want to support you. But let's be real. People have their own problems. And actually... You're so fucking scared when you're in that space that reaching out and saying to somebody that you love and care about with the fear that they're going to judge you and they're going to think something's wrong with you and they're going to see this thing that you've been trying to hide from everybody because you're like, oh my God, you know, if they knew, if they just knew how disgusting I was they're not going to love me anymore do you know all that kind of stuff and it's like oh my god you're so vulnerable and then all that and it is our responsibility unfortunately because nobody else can know what's going on underneath if you don't tell them Mm. but equally when you're in
1: that space it's so scary and it's so hard to know how to tell them because we don't even understand it ourselves so it's like how do I find the words what if I say it in the wrong way and it sounds worse than it is or what if they <laughs> what if they take it in a way that is not as big as it is and they shake it off because I don't know if you had this but how vulnerable you are when you're saying it for me it was like I'm scared of how they react and how that's yes. gonna make me react like yes like similar to you when I t- I remember telling my mom and my mom's amazing now but with her history of mental illness herself she's built up a wall around her to protect Mm. herself and I can see why like it's hard back in those days as well like we're very fortunate now with what we've got but back then and um and I think seeing her only child her only daughter who I've always been close to her have this I think it was a crack in the wall she's built as in like something that I've protected myself from for her has now affected my daughter and it was the need to look after me and so when I told her it was like she was very she wasn't cold but she's very quiet because I could see that she was internalizing it like how can I help her but she's also doing her own battle inside
2: yeah. trying to handle
1: it and, and this I, is... I just and this again all those thoughts almost stopped me telling her in the first place because I was making it so I was so worried about like you say the judgment but also how it's going to affect these people around yeah. me not making making them realize it's not about you but I just need you to be there and listen yes.
2: and yes
1: Say nothing, maybe you know, yeah. it was that weird. It's like it's people say, like you say, it's okay to not be okay and talk about it, but it's one of the hardest things to do oh. is to talk and find the words when you have no idea what's going on in your mind anyway.
2: No, and you're so su- it's it's such a different thing. I've realized I was like, mm, why am I getting so emotional? And I was like, I need to stop booking podcast recordings when I'm due on my period. <laughs> <laughs> So I've spoken about this loads. Why am I getting so emotional about it today? And I'm like, okay, must be. Okay, it's that time. (laughs) That time. Um, But I mean, and it is emotional, you know. And actually, I'm not. I don't. I used to think. Oh God, I remember the first time I cried on the podcast. I was like, oh God. Um, But now I just think it isn't because it is real, you know. And actually you know all emotions are welcome and it is it is scary and when you think back to those times sometimes and it's so far removed from where I am now you know and I think even when I have a dip now it's almost laughable when I come out the other side of it I'm like call cool, that a dip <laughs> you know you do <laughs> get scared because you're like you don't know how far down it's gonna go but then you're like oh this wasn't so bad it's all right um but it is it's it's terrifying and it's not um you know you, you don't yeah, it's that, it's that weird thing of just being at such a low point yourself and having such a low um, bar for, for yourself that you don't want to bring, I don't know, I felt a bit like that, I don't want to bring other people into this. Mm -hmm. you know but I think it is definitely what you said around like not wanting to be a burden not wanting people to worry you know all that kind of stuff
0: is so prevalent don't forget to meet us over on youtube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes you can find the link in the description if
2: you could go back and share like a piece of advice with like a younger version of you so maybe like that pre-25 like when she was still like just striving for her career she had no idea what was coming Mm. what
1: what would you share what bit of advice would you give to her I know what advice would be I know she wouldn't listen but I'd (laughs) set her down and force her to but it would be to just be patient Mm. because I think if I look back and I told myself to be patient back then just taking a little bit of extra time to not to focus on a balanced life mm. not giving up everything for your career and actually just asking yourself what do I want what do I want if I'd have asked myself that a couple of times and just been a little bit more selfish and not caring about not caring not prioritizing other people's needs I think maybe I would have practiced self-care earlier before I even knew what self-care was
2: yeah I think there needs to be a new word because, you know, like, it's either selfless or selfish. Yeah. On, on like, yeah. a seesaw. You're either, like, a total people pleaser and you're so selfless and you're like, oh, look at me, Mother Teresa, and just give, 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 <laughs> give, 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 give until I'm so empty, but that's okay. Or you're like this, you know, cocky, selfish, egotistical, like, I don't care about mm-hmm. anyone, plough through everyone's boundaries, my way or the highway. And it isn't, it isn't that it's like it's almost like we need another word or another thing and like self-care seems to have become this kind of like buzzword where it's like you know and I'm not anti having a nice warm bath or you know Mm -hmm. going and getting a massage or drinking that you know spiced Pumpkin latte or whatever, making it look pretty for Instagram. If that's your hashtag self care, but equally, you know, sometimes self care is having that difficult conversation with somebody because you've got this awful shit going on in your head and you don't know how to deal with it, or Mm -hmm. showing up, working through trauma in therapy. That's not Instagrammable. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's it's very difficult to, you know, what you're going to do, like video yourself having a panic attack, or. I mean, to be fair, actually, I did do that once. Oh, wow. I can't watch it back. I, I see it occasionally, like, you know, when you're looking for soap through your phone, and I'm like, ugh. Because yeah. um, I kind of wanted to see, like, I never, but wasn't really about posting it, but I kind of wanted to see. It's so weird, isn't it? When you're in those spaces and then you come out of it and you feel better, so you sort of forget. And I kind of wanted to see, you like, out. Yeah. what what is happening and where's my mindset and what am I mm-hmm. thinking, but then I've never been able to watch you back. <laughs> so, one, day. One, one day. One day. One day. do a big reveal. Re- <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I don't know if I'd want to. It. It's that weird thing, isn't it? Where it's like, what's the, what's the balance between gratuitous kind of clickbait, like, ooh, look at me, I'm having a panic attack, and genuinely... Uh, this is how it, this is what happens that you don't see because I think mm. this is the other problem with with depression and panic attacks and anxiety and all this kind of thing. Lots of times people be like, "But Rach, you're so happy, you're so..." and it's like, "Yeah, because you see me when I'm in a good space because I'm out and about. If I'm not in a good space, I'm making an excuse of why I can't come. Oh, sorry, mm. I've got to work, or this came up, or uh you know, my cat died, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and I'm not going anywhere. I'm in bed." you know
1: and you don't yeah. see that bit of it
2: so it's, very- it's, it's
1: often like the Instagram lifestyle which, which we've all seen and we will see a lot of it's like if you're posting you're okay you know and, and I, I do that in a way of like you know hashtag living the best life that kind of side yeah kind of but if you're not posting that's usually the sign when things are not well, but mm-hmm. it's like the way I always look at it when it comes back to what you said is a case of who's it benefiting. If mm-hmm. people are sharing that, this is how a panic attack looks like and they're doing it for the ultimate benefit of themselves as in like buy from me, learn from me, know me, you know, mm-hmm. like me, look after me. If it's for me, then for me, that's not it. If it's a case of helping people see that what they're experiencing is normal or, mm-hmm. or not normal, but they need help. Or if that's, if that's where the, your heart is, Mm. then that's what's needed
2: yeah and I think there's definitely that thing isn't it of like why do you put something out and why do you um and I think always well for me anyway definitely my one of my main things is like to try and be as truthful as possible yeah and to try and be as open as possible because I think that's When it really connects for people, because you're not kind of trying to put some shiny fucking sticker over depression, like oh, and I, you know, that whole thing like it's okay to not be okay. Like, I get the I get the premise behind it of like you know it's okay to not be okay, like talk about it, blah blah blah. Mm. But I'm like, it isn't. it isn't okay to not be okay it's fucking shit it's all it's it's worse than that it's all it's like it's so awful you It's like such the pits it's the depths of like awful and I don't think okay is what we should be striving for I mean I don't want to I think for years I flitted between feeling awful and then feeling like fine
1: yeah
2: and then back down to like really not coping and back up to it's all right it's okay life's all right don't mm. want to kill myself so you know <laughs> winning yeah. it's Makes like so. you know what i mean it's like there is happiness you know there is like joy pleasure excitement yeah like but why aren't we like striving like instead of just striving to be like oh how's work all right how's life yeah. fine how's your love life oh, it's okay how's that oh, yeah like that's not that's (laughs) we only get one of these we only get Mm. you know or maybe we don't if you believe in reincarnation but like you only get this particular one that you're in now this particular body this particular energy that you're embodying you know whatever that i don't know if you believe soul contracts or whatever or what you know whatever your thing is that you're doing this particular incarnation of your life is just this one one Mm. time why wouldn't we want to enjoy it and like yeah. have some bloody fun along the way. Do you know what I mean? Even if we do struggle and go to those depths, it's like, what about the heights? What about the other other spaces yeah. we can um, we can be in? So, um, what one thing do you wish you'd known, like about depression, about suicide, about you know being high functioning before you kind of got to this point?
1: I think it would be to take it seriously. And I don't want that to sound like I don't take it seriously, but because it was, I don't know if any of you guys experienced this, but because it's all over social media and I, my business is teaching people how to market on social media. So I know how it works. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone does, it's me, but it's all over social media. So, and, and the public eye, and I I love that because we're talking about it, but it's normalizing it and it's sometimes making it, Not as serious as it is. And I think Mm. because I was surrounded by my family, okay, social media wasn't big then, but I grew up hearing about what depression and seeing people with bipolar and seeing people Mm. who are really low. It was like, when I felt it, it was like, Oh, I'm just like one of them. And I didn't take it seriously. So something I wish I'd have known was how to handle it, Mm. to take it seriously. Like if, for example, if, if someone, we know when we're children that if you see someone in pain to help them if you see someone doing something wrong to someone help them mm. but we don't know that to our own self that's what yes. I wish I'd try to take it in the same level of seriousness because I think if I had not only would have I've helped myself quicker I probably would have been able to help myself in more sustained fashion I wouldn't have got to as low as I did as quick as I did
2: yeah and I think there's a, a a thing with social media at the moment that I find it difficult because I get the intention behind a lot of messaging you know like Mm. I get the intention behind it's it's okay to not be okay I get the intention behind if you need to stay in bed just stay in bed that's actually not okay if you if you're Mm. fully in the pits of depression and someone goes like oh well just stay there like You have to fight your way out to get, Mm -hmm. or in my experience anyway, to get out of bed. So if I started, you know, I feel lucky that actually Instagram and stuff wasn't so prevalent when I, I don't think Instagram even existed when I was really ill. It might have just been out, but it wasn't really, uh, YouTube was more where you'd go to find like how to's and help and Mm -hmm. stuff. Because I do think if I was laying in bed and saw some of this messaging and almost like romanticizing depression, um, you know, this kind of like, oh... God, I'm so melancholy, but doesn't the aesthetic look great? You know, it's like, I don't know how helpful some of that stuff is.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would have been really damaging for me if, it, if I'd have seen what I see now when I am at the was at the depths I was at.
2: Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the time the intention behind what people are trying to say is is well-meaning, mm. but the message... Sometimes could be misconstrued In different ways And this is where it was so tricky Because Part of me would love to say to people You know with depression Look the one thing that helped me the most Was to just Like suck it up (laughs) And kind of be like No one's coming to save me I have to get myself out of this and I've got to plough on through. But I realised that if someone had said that to me while I was in bed with depression, I would not have heard it in that way at all. I would have been like, you don't understand. What the hell? You know, There's like, it's so... Because it's so hard, isn't it? It's so awful when you're in, in the midst of it. So it is difficult to know, like when you're just putting a message in a square with a pr- pretty graphic, how that's going to land and how mm. people are going to interpret that. And you, I guess you just have to kind of chuck it out and hope for the best. <laughs> I
1: think, <do laughs> you know what you've said to me before, Rachel, Though is I, and you've sort of touched on it here, is that it's it's not okay to only be okay. But yeah. the message I always take with that is, but it's okay to tell people you're not okay. Yes. You know, Saying you're not okay, 100% okay. Yeah staying in not okay not okay not okay (laughs)
0: yeah that's exactly it it.
1: it. and that's why we talk about it so much because we've both been there and I think the one thing that I did which I actually forgot until you just talked about it then was I had family members that told me to snap out of it I had family members Mm -hmm. that were like just get out of bed and and I was exactly what you just did you don't understand you know I can't but one thing I did do was I found the little wins so it was like one day I remember going to the shop, which was only in my building. I didn't have to leave the actual walls was to get sugar. And I remember literally going downstairs to buy some sugar. That was my big win. I ran back yes. into the house. I was so nervous and so anxious, but I was like, yes, a little win. I yes. got out of bed today. I showered today. Yes. And it was the little wins that made it feel like the teeny tiny steps that people now, when I talk about it on stage, people laugh about. Yeah. But it, That to me, get literally one of the days, one of the first days was getting from the bed, to the couch, and I lived in a studio flat. Yeah. I didn't even have to change the room. Yeah. But it was that was my win. And yeah. it's just little things like that. This I is think what made I always share uh,
2: as well. I remember like literally being like so stoked that I managed in one day to just because when I was staying with my mum, there's quite a lot of stairs. I'm trying to think how many stairs there are actually. One, two, four flights of stairs to get to the room that I was in. So to get to the bathroom was like, God, you know? And I remember, like, going and having a shower and getting dressed. And it was 5 p.m. And I remember being, like, yes. Yeah. Done it. Still daylight. It wasn't winter. I know, God. <laughs> you know, like, still daylight and i actually dressed. And then it was, like, 3 p.m., you know, and managed it or whatever. And you're, like, yes. Then the, the, It seems so weird now that you're set, you know, because it's, like, now I just get up and, like, go and brush my teeth, whatever, go to the toilet. Like, don't even think about it. You just yeah. do it. But when you're in that depth, it's, like... <sighs> because i feel like it's almost like you or i did anyway every little stage of what you've got to do is like a thing that you've got to do so rather than just like getting up and going to the bathroom it's like oh my god i've got to pull the quilt off myself and then i've got to sit up and then i've got to move my leg and then i've got to move my other leg and then i've got to spin round, and then my feet are touching get my feet you know shuffle my bum to the edge of the bed till my feet touch the floor oh god I'm tired even just thinking about that part and now I've got to mm-hmm. pu- push my body somehow into an upright position and then it's one foot in front of the other for however many frigging steps that is and then mm-hmm. am I even wearing clothes oh god now I've got to like think about what uh, all the different layers of clothing that I've got to put on it's do you know what I mean rather than just Everything. doing it it's like every little thing is like a thing
1: yeah <laughs> exactly like, so- but it's just being uh, kind of ourselves to it that's the thing for me it was like and actually just enjoy allow yourself to celebrate those little things yes. no matter how weird it feels no matter how alien or no matter how much you think for god's sake chloe why are you thinking like that was so you know that you could have done that two weeks ago easily that yeah. doesn't matter it's today yes. And let's just take every day every tiny step whatever you need
2: Absolutely. Oh, uh, it's been such a joy to talk to you. It's just been so nice to see your face. I feel like I'm seeing so much. <laughs> <aging>. Thanks COVID. <laughs> 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 but we're here. We're still here. Um, if people want to find out more about you, Chloe, what's the best way for them to come
1: and find out more about your work and how they can get in touch with you? Probably anything on social media, so Facebook or Instagram, it's just Chloe Bees official. Or just my website, chloebeeson.com check the links below everyone um thank you so much for
2: being here and thank you for being so honest and sharing so many tools i think this is going to be an incredible episode for so many people i think they're really gonna resonate with it thank you everybody for listening sorry that i cried in this one
1: <laughs> it's
2: actually sorry not sorry i'm not really that sorry yeah, exactly. and um, thank
1: you rachel for having me it's thank yours. you so much for the amazing platform what the message you're sharing is so incredible and I wish this podcast was around when I was facing it oh, because I know it will I'm, help so that's many what people. what I'm
2: hoping is that you know it will just help people out and to all the listeners as always thank you so much for being here and I will speak to you again
0: soon. Much love. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as Rachel enjoys making this podcast. Why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration? and if you really love it drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people.